I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindegaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glover's Past on the Glover's Cast. Not many players have an entire day named after them, but today's episode of the Glover's Past is with a man who does. On the 6th of May 2013, he headed home a Paddy Madden cross to send Yeovil to Wembley, where we went on to defeat Brentford in the playoff final to reach the championship. In more than 120 appearances in green and white, he scored a couple of historic goals, and we're absolutely thrilled to welcome Ed Upson to the Glovers cast to talk about his time at Hewish Park. Thank you for joining us, Ed. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Us too. Us too. Ben's <laughs> here as well. I am here, me yes. And, me and Ben today. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to, you, to your oval time in, in, in a little minute, but I just want to rewind just before then, because you, you came from Ipswich, um, where you had, you had quite a pedigree. You were an FA Youth Cup winner in 2005. Mm-hmm. I think you were... 15 and scored the winner in the last minute. I've heard that sentence before. Um, you got an England, England under 19 cap. Why the move to Yeovil? How did it come about? And was Dean Bowditch part of the move? Because he was obviously here and he's a he's an Ipswich legend at uh, those parts. So was he in any way, shape or form part of that move? Uh, he was. I mean, I don't know how much he had to do actually getting me there, but he had a big part in selling the club to me. Um, I remember I got uh, had a meeting because Roy Keane was the Ipswich manager at the time, and he said he said to me, "Look, yeah, I think I was twenty. And he said, um, "You're not going to play." They, they were they were sort of championship at that point, going for Premier League. He said, "You're not going to get regular game time here that you need at this stage in your career." Um, he said, "It's probably best if you move on, um, find a new challenge somewhere else." And um, my agent knew Terry. Skiverton, because um, he, he had sent a few players to, to Yeovil um, and sort of, you know, got in contact with Terry. Terry said, would, you know, would I like to come down? I text Dean, who was there. He'd, he'd just been there for, a, I think, a year at that point. Sort of the same, similar path where he was a year ahead of me and that he had already gone down. He said he sort of really sold the club to me, said he loved it. Um, and I know we, we were just talking before we, we started recording here about Glastonbury. And I remember... Um, the first few days, Terry, Darren, and Nathan Jones weren't there because they were at Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd come down, and the three main men uh, weren't there. Uh, but no, when they finally come back from Glastonbury, uh, Darren came down to 
the hotel I was staying in, I think it was the Preston us. I can't remember what the hotel was called, something like that. And uh, Darren come down, he was the first one I met and I loved him straight from the off. Um, and we sort of hit it off and I had a couple of days training um, at Yeovil and uh, Terry. I think it, I, I, I chopped Craig Alcock in, in training and Terry was loving it. <laughs> in like sort of what, what like my couple of days, because I, I, I planned to go to Oldham after, after I came to Yeovil to train there and see if I could get a deal. And uh, Terry, after a couple of days said, um, ring your agent, we'll give you, we'll give you a year. So I was like, okay, that, that's, that's great. I'll ring him. So I went outside the, the stadium and I, I called him, my agent. I said, oh, um, just, you know, I've done quite well in training. Um, Terry's offered me a year. And as I said it, Terry walked past me and he heard me and he went, he went, tell your agent, make it two years. So I was like, okay. So it just sort of, he really sort of made me feel welcome and at home. And he really he made me feel like he really wanted me. And uh, it, was, it was a big factor. So I obviously... Got my agents to tell Oldham that I wasn't coming up after that and signed for Yeovil. You, you've kind of touched on our next question a little bit there because I wanted to know what it was like coming into a, a squad with Skivo at the helm and he'd sort of brought in a young young players. Luke Ailing was there, Luke Freeman came in on loan. <laughs> and then after you joined, I think Andy Williams and Paul Huntington came in. So it's quite a mixed sort of squad of, of youth and, and some experience. What was it like being a part of that team with, with Terry in charge? That was great. It was really good, yeah. I'll always look back at those years as some of our best years in football. Most enjoyable, for sure. Um, it was a real sort of unity about the club, like a bond that we all sort of had because none of us were from Yeovil. We are all from sort of different parts of the country. And when you, when you play for Yeovil, you, you live in Yeovil, you know, or you live in the surrounding areas. You don't sort of have lads that travel in and travel back because it's sort of quite remote in terms of the football club. Um, everyone sort of comes to the area, which is nice because after training, everyone hangs about, you know, no one sort of shoots off home or shoots off here. Everyone sort of pops into town as a coffee. And it was, yeah, really, really nice part of my, my career. I was looking through some of the um, numbers for that first season you were with us. First things first, I can't get my head around the fact that you wore number 16. You'll always be number eight in my head, but Luke Ayling had number eight. That blew my mind when I was looking at some clips. Second of all, 16 starts, eight further appearances from the bench. It maybe wasn't quite the complete first season of, of men's football. How did you find sort of being in the side, out the side, in the side, out the side in, in that environment? Um, well, I'd come from obviously not really playing at Ipswich. So when I come, when I come down, Terry said to me, he said, look, this season, obviously, it's going to be your first season. You, you, he sort of pre-warned me that I was going to be sort of a, you know, in and out, in and out. He was sort of trying to um, get me into the team without sort of blowing my mind, you know, just chucking me straight in. Um, so the first season, he actually said, you know, that that would happen and, and I would um, play more in the second season. Um, but I remember in this, I've told this story before and it sounds awful, but it's not as bad as it sounds so like after that first season I went away for the summer came back to Bowes Evans where, where I was living and um, I said to myself next season's my my last you know it's my last year and I want to play every game and I had in my head that I would do anything it took to play every single game that next season so I, I said to myself and I wasn't actually going to physically do it but I said to myself I, I, I'm in the mindset of if they sign any midfielders, I'm just going to go hard on them in, in training, you know, and, and it was like a, it wasn't actually a physical thing. It was like a mindset thing where I wasn't going to physically injure anyone in training, but I was, I was in a mindset where I was going to give everything, you know, in, in a, in a, in a sort of physical and mental capacity that this was my sort of last shot to play regularly and you know play for Yeovil and and it sort of it worked there was a few times where Terry had to tell me to calm down a, a little bit in training but I think it brought a side to my game that was needed at that time I think I ended up getting 15 yellows that season <laughs> I tried to work on that but it didn't really work I think the next season I got two reds and 16 yellows or something ridiculous but it, it just added a side to my game that I didn't I didn't have and it sort of in league one at that time it was a necessity i suppose mm, yeah 
Sounds like there was a touch of Roy Keane coming out in you there in that. <laughs> in yeah, that time. I think I think it was a bit of all or nothing sort of yeah. attitude at that point. Yeah, at, at that time we had I think we had Paul Watton and Alex Russell at the club as well. Did you mm. like sort of soak up information for them? They were obviously experienced old pros who'd been around the block. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Paul Paul done me a couple of times in training. Um, there was there was a real lively atmosphere in training at that point, and I think it's what sort of sort of spurred the club on a little bit because um, I've been at some clubs where the, the training's not quite as intense and um, it's, a, it's a big thing, you know, the intensity in training, you take that into games and everyone sort of fights for each other. Because although obviously the seasons, I think we were favourites for relegation every time, every season I was at the Oval, but we, we sort of never really got that, that close to, we're never really in that much danger of it. Um, we, had, we had some times where we had to sort of put a run of results together but it never felt like with the boys that we had and the spirit and the attitude that we would ever get sucked into it let's, let's fast forward just a little bit because the following season it was obviously it was tough at the start and Christmas comes around and Gary Johnson rejoins us <laughs> and obviously he's brand new to you but Skivo steps aside and moves back to becoming assistant manager how did the environment change and, and obviously how did things sort of get going under Gary when all that happened? It's a good question. I mean, it, I think it was a really good thing that happened because there was some sort of continuity to the training and, you know, what, what the boys had been used to. But there was obviously some fresh ideas from, from Gary, who was obviously a legend as well at that point. Um, and th- things under Gary just, I mean, Terry, Terry done a fantastic job. You know, when you look back, you think, you've got us, you know, it's mid-table in League Two. And League One, sorry. Um, and, you know, at this point, when we look back now, that seems a world away, you know? Yeah. I mean, what, what, what we would, you know, we would take now to, mm. to have that. Um, but Gary took us to that next level. Um, and it's difficult to say how he did that, but he had a certain, a certain way about him that would get the best out of you or the worst, depending on which way you took him. And we had a group at that point that all took it the right way. And he got the best out of all of us. The end of that season was was strange. You, you come to the end of your deal. And I remember, oh, I'm trying to picture it. We were away somewhere on the final day. And it was somewhere northern because I could go. Mm. And it was announced on the morning of the game that you'd signed a new deal. Or the, <clears> day, <throat> the night before or something like that. And it felt like a really pivotal moment because Luke Ayling followed suit this the season out, you know, shortly after other players started signing on deals. And was there a feeling when you signed that new contract that Gary was building something? We didn't know quite what it looked like yet, but there was something worth sticking around for. Yeah. Um, I remember that. I remember that night in the hotel because I, I you know, obviously had the deal offered to me and I was thinking about it and, um, it, it felt like we were on to something a little bit at that point. Um, and I remember I came down and, and uh, Terry and, and Gary were in the, in the um, meeting room in the hotel. And Terry had just come outside and I, I'd come down the stairs because I'd spoke to my agent and I said, look, I'm going downstairs because I'm going to tell Gary that I'm going to sign. And um, Terry came out the room and I, I told Terry what, that I was going to go in and tell Gary that I was going to sign. And Terry went in ahead of me um, and he said, Gary, Ed, Ed's decided not to sign. And uh, Gary went, what? And Terry went, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I said, yeah, I've decided I'm going to sign. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it, like, like you said, after that, it just sort of, things seemed to fall into place for the, for the season after that. And um, the season after that, I think we, did we, I can't remember, but there, there's something in my mind. Did we not do well at the start of that season? But then we won like 10 in a row or something like that. Something. Yeah, so in, in September, it was six defeats in a row. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Like, What do you remember about that period? How do you think we managed to turn it around? I think the, the following month, we added Corey Smith, Joe Edwards, Dan Byrne came in, and then Paddy mm. Madden joined in October. But still, to turn that around yeah. with some additions, what, what was the like, sort of atmosphere like yeah. in the club during that little blip um it was a long time ago now but <laughs> uh, i can't really remember the feeling about the place but i remember in pre-season i'd said to i said to my mates i said i've got a feeling we'll get promoted this year or we're going to do really well and um after that start i remember them texting me saying are you are you sure 
<laughs> I said, I said, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I just had this feeling pre-season. Um, and then obviously after that, you know, we kicked on and then the arrival of Paddy and those other boys that you said, um, but particularly Paddy, of course, because the, the impact he had on the team was, was massive. Um, and it just shows, you know, you get, you get one striker who's firing and what he can do to a team and the spirits and the morale, you know, because you, you, you go into every game believing that we can win it. And, and we did. We went on a run of, of eight wins at one point. We were going to yeah. crazy places, going to Coventry and just walking all over them and things yeah. like that. We went to Sheffield United and and played them off the park. Um, that must have been quite nice as a midfielder. I imagine the assist tallies uh, went up quite nicely with Paddy in front of goal uh, scoring. Was it nice to have someone just so prolific that you knew you could rely on as the season was progressing? Yeah, it was It was that thing, like I said, you know, it's the, it was the belief going into every game that we've got a chance here. Because um, we had a strong defence as well at that point. Mm. So you sort of felt like, you know, we keep a clean sheet and Paddy will get us a goal. Um, or, or, or some of the other lads. Um, you know, we weren't sort of just heavily reliant on him, but obviously it helped that he, he was banging them in. Um, but yeah, we, we just went into every game, in my opinion, and I'm sure the boys would say the same, feeling, feeling like we would, had, a, had a great chance of winning the game before we'd even started. I had a mate who every week, without fail, he would put a bet on Yeovil to win, Paddy to score. And it was like <laughs> the returns on that every week for, for, for a few weeks were massive. Um, <laughs> Not towards the end of the season, I bet the odds <laughs> on that went down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they caught on at some point. Um, as the season wore on and the playoffs became like more of a possibility, were, were your ambitions changing? Did you think, oh, we could... You know, can we go on a little bit higher? What, what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, it, with each game that we won and each, each you know, that each point that we picked up along the way, you obviously started looking, thinking, we could, you know, we could do this. You start thinking, could we even get in the automatics? Or, you know, um, I think we ended up fourth that year, didn't we? Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah, would have been fourth. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think. Um, I don't actually know. I couldn't tell you how far off second we were but um yeah it was, it was just one of them unbelievable seasons where everything clicks everything comes together we, you get a team of people that might not be the most talented team in the league on paper but in terms of team spirit and camaraderie and work ethic we we, we had it we had that in abundance probably more than anyone else in the league at that point hmm. well, i'm sure it was I was, I was wondering because I was, I was just looking through the fixtures and it completely misses me, my, misses my thoughts every single time I look back at it. We very nearly got to the JPT final. We went virtually all the way. We were away at Leighton Orient that, and we were like one win away from the Southern final and then the final. Mm. Um, mm. Leighton Orient scored this horrendous goal in the 97th minute to knock us out. Um, looking back on it now, was that a little bit of a blessing in disguise that we could really focus on the league and, really go or was it just something that you were just just kept on wanting to win I suppose so I mean I like my memory's pretty hazy of that to be honest but I would imagine that we got an absolute rollicking for losing that game well I um, remember cause... Paddy couldn't play and they they put on like free away fan tickets or they like the travel was free and there was about 700 of us if not yeah. more at this game at Leighton Orient and they scored a horrible horrible scrapping 95th minute goal awful a, a horrendous goal it's and the sort of thing that you know like I said my memory's quite hazy of that but you know that's the sort of thing that would spur a team on to you know kick on in the league that sort of disappointment yeah I suppose that season all I remember that is, is the promotion you know I, ne I never like you, like you said there it's, it's that sort of thing you don't, did we get that far in the JPT I can't, I can't remember <laughs> about the JPT at that point <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's there's certain things stick in the mind, don't they, about that season? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's not one, one of them. No, no. <laughs> um, one of them is that the the playoff semi final. I think in the in the first um, game against Sheffield United, I think Gary Johnson revealed you two sort of had words due to a lack of concentration in the in the first leg of the playoff, which I think led to the goal that they scored. Um, what do you remember about? that and you know the aftermath of that game and what you were feeling afterwards um, I was really disappointed obviously after the game I remember the instant that he, the, he refers to it was a ball with Sam Foley I was asking for it in midfield I'm going to blame Sam I'm going to blame on Sam Foley and uh, <laughs> he, I thought he held on to the ball too long and when he passed it to me it was two or three yards ahead of me 
and uh, it was like a 50-50. It was in, in Sheffield United's half, and I sort of thought, do I, do I go for this? It was because it would have been like a, a lunge, you know? And I didn't, and I sort of left it. Um, a couple of minutes later, they went up the other end. I think they got a corner. I think they might have scored from, from the corner. And um, after the game, Gary's obviously said, I've pulled out the tackle, and that's what's cost us the game. But I remember I came in, and I'm sure he won't, he won't mind me saying this now. I sat down in the changing room, had my head down like that, and I heard this from behind my head here, and it was a water bottle that had hit the hit the, <laughs> the changing room wall just about that far above my head, <laughs> where it had been thrown across the room and hit the wall and just like, bang. I'm sure it wasn't aiming for my head, but it was close. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we obviously had a falling out at that point. And um, it was Terry that had to, had to calm it down. But there was a, there was a big thing, because we were staying at St. George's Park um, after that game. And um, I think Gary was saying, I'm not going to play him, I'm not going to play him. You know, and, and he, was so, he was so angry. I've never seen anyone so angry. And um, they were saying, no, 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 don't like, it's not, you know, it's just, let's just relax. Let's just relax a little bit, you know. Because um, I actually played a good game at that point. It was just that one incident that I would obviously uh, upset him. Um, and, and, that, and that's what's come from the second leg where, you know, he said that I was the villain in the first game and the hero in the second. And that's where it's come from. It was so strange. I was I was at that night at Bramwell Lane. I've told this to a few people, but I've never left a game so happy after a defeat because of mm. the way we played. The, the idea of us not scoring at Hewish Park for the second leg was just ridiculous. We were going to score. It yeah, was just a yeah. case of how we would go about it. Once you died down and cleared up the bottle that had nearly hit you and things like that, um, <laughs> had, had you had those thoughts as well of actually this is fine. We'll go back to Hewish Park and, and these are these are easily a game that we can we can overturn this. Yeah, 100%. We all felt like that. We all felt like we played so well and, and uh, you know, we come away, yeah, it's a 1-0 loss, but that's, that's not the end of the world because the way we've been, we've been playing that season and our feelings going into every game, certainly the, the second leg at home, we knew we'd have a packed house as well. I don't think anyone had any worries whatsoever about the second leg. Which is a weird thing, really, because mm. um, you'd think, you know, we'd be sort of panicking or a bit worried, but I, I honestly can't remember anyone panicking or worrying at all. It was none of that. Let's, but before we talk about the goal, what do you remember about the day? I travelled down, Dave, uh, my our colleague, our Glover's cast, we, we travelled down, it was about four million degrees Mm. And it was a lunchtime kickoff, but everyone was in the ground from about 10 a.m. It was packed from first doors. What do you remember about that morning of the game, getting up and getting going? Nothing. Literally nothing about that morning. <laughs> I, I remember, I don't even remember the team talk before the game. I don't remember getting to the stadium. I don't remember a warm-up. All I remember is the first goal and the second goal. And a little bit in between, but not much, because I don't think I've ever watched the game back in full. I've seen, obviously, the main part. <laughs> but, <laughs> about a million times. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's very, very sort of hazy memory of that, of that day, apart from, obviously, the two, the two goals. Um, how, but, go on. How do, you, how do you feel when you, see, when you see that winning goal back? How, how do you feel? Like, where does that rank in terms of, you know, the goals you've scored? in your career it's number one it's number one for me it has to be yeah um but having said that the first goal that kevin dawson scored because that was obviously my pass that set him in that was one yeah. of, that's probably that's probably my best ever assist as well yeah read the um, needle <laughs> yeah yeah and he because a lot of time you play that ball and the attacker getting on the end of it is is not you know he's not on the same wavelength but it just that was just another one of them sort of moments where he was on the same exact same wavelength I was on. It was like a reversed through ball. He finished it. It was a lovely finish, more difficult than it looked. And it was another one of them moments where, where five minutes into the game, you think, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. You know, it's just one of them like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's how this day is going to go. And 
And obviously it, it did. It got where I think Sheffield United hit the bar at one point, and that was another one of those where you think, yeah, no problem. Um, it's our day. You know, you just knew it was just knew it was going to be. There, there are games when you think, oh, it'd be nice to win this four 0 but I wouldn't change the way that game went. Winning, you know, scoring an early goal and then having that nervous energy for the entire, you know, the entire game with them with the late winner that just blows the roof off the stadium. Yeah. Like I wouldn't change that day for anything. I'd take no. take a two nil with a one goal lead on aggregate yeah. and smashing yeah. them four nil just for the just the emotion and the energy that those that creates. Oh, it, was, it was ridiculous. I, I remember um do you, you must be aware of Fat Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legend. Yeah, what a yeah guy. He's, a, he's a ledge. So he, he used to take all the photos at the game. Yeah. And when I would score, he would say, you always run away from me. He said, <laughs> I can never, ever get a, get a celebration shot of you because you score and you run the other way. And I've, I've got this memory of when I, when I headed the ball in and he, he always used to sit in like the, the top right-hand corner. And so I've, I've like run to the, um, to the left-hand side of the goalpost. And then all I thought was, Fat Harry, you know what a picture it is. <laughs> so I turned right and run straight, run straight to him. And that's where he's got that unbelievable photo of me and I think Sam Foley with our arms out. Yeah. And I think that's the one time I ever run towards him. But it, it worked <laughs> out so well because obviously I run straight past him. And in that stand in the corner is where they set the families. So obviously my... My mum, dad, my brother, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, they were all in that corner. So it was just so, like, just perfect, you know, just the sweetest moment like you could ever dream of. There's a, there's a picture that my, my, one of my all time favorite pictures is, is actually just a still of a video, but it's from behind the golf, behind you, behind you, and you're heading the ball, and the ball looks like it's going so far wide. Yeah. It's angled perfectly. And you can just see it, the keeper's just looking to his left to think, Nothing I can do about that. Nothing <laughs> I can do about that. No. I love Just... that. I know what you're talking about. I love that picture too. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So we win. Let's have a word about those celebrations on the pitch, on top of the dugouts, in the stands. There were flags being waved. There was champagne being sprayed. Everyone was on the pitch. That was just a feeling like I've never felt before. And I was lucky enough to be at Nottingham Forest in 2007, but that was away, so that was slightly different. So to do it at Hewish Park, to see Hewish Park like that, that is that is absolute top draw for me. What were those next few hours like after the game? Yeah, so they were unbelievable. I think I was sort of holding back tears on the pitch a little bit. Um, so were we. I was, <laughs> so yeah, were we. Yeah, I was so happy. I remember hugging Joe and Hates and Paddy and everyone, all <laughs> the fans. Uh, Gary, Terry, Darren, everyone. Um, like you said, the, the scenes afterwards where we stood on top of the dugout spraying the champagne, and um, it's just just a day that I'll never forget. Never. Um, those scenes, that feeling um, in football, they 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 happen once if you're lucky, and uh, that was that was our once. It was just fantastic. How many times have you watched it back? Be honest. <laughs> Thousands, thousands. <laughs> I, I don't even think that's an exaggeration. <laughs> dream about, dream about it. Yeah, yeah, plenty of supporters do, I'm sure as well. So, you um, ask my wife that, she would she'll say that I sit down every night and all she hears is Paul paid into Upson <laughs> <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> she just look over. Are you watching that again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, lo I love that we know the commentary as well. It's yeah. beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God. Oh dear. So we we make it to Wembley. We've got to talk about the final. Um, was that your first time playing at, at Wembley? Yeah. 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 How, yeah. How was that? Must have been a, a yeah. brilliant moment for you. It was. We'd we'd gone down. Um, Gary told this story where he took a team to Wembley. I can't remember who it was. It might have been a Yeovil team. Bristol City uh, when he lost Bristol, the final? It could have been. But what, what he did was they took in Wembley on the day of the game. So you know when you turn up to a game and obviously we get there at sort of half one for say a three o'clock kickoff. So the boys will 
we'll put their stuff in the change room, go out and look at the pitch and the stadium and you know, see if it's a stud or a mould. Obviously at Wembley, it's a bit different because you've never been before, so you take it all in and it's, I suppose it can be quite daunting. And I think Gary felt that from his previous experience, it had it had, had that effect on, on maybe Bristol City, like you said, um, and, the, and they lost. So a few days before um, the game, we went to see Wembley. We did like a tour of the stadium. Um, went to see it so that the next so that when we arrived on the day we weren't sort of like whoa look at that you know with our minds off the game we you know we, we had our minds fully on the game because we'd already been there we took all the pictures and I think that that was a big thing actually now Gary was good at stuff like that and his, his thought process were really you know sort of ahead of the head of the time with stuff like that I think um it really helped us five minutes in Paddy Madden scores a goal that if Lionel Messi scores, we'll talk about it for years and years and years and years to come and it'll get played a billion times over. Yeah. How much does that settle the nerves? Yeah, that, that, and that, like I said about the semi-final, that was just another thing where you thought, yeah, I know, me, I can't remember who I was rooming. I think it might have been Marek I was rooming with the night before. And in the playoff final, the day before, because they're obviously doing three days in a row, um, one team had scored early really early and I said to Merrick I said it'd be, it'd be lovely if we score early tomorrow wouldn't that just settle like the boys down that'd be so nice and obviously Paddy hits that strike with the outside of his right boot ridiculous technique unbelievable technique um, and it was just another one of their moments where he thought yeah this is this is our time this is happening and it just settled the boys down although after that having said that after that I can remember a lot of certainly second half a lot of backs to the wall defending Certainly, I think the whole second half might have been backs to the wall, um, but it was it was one of them where you sort of felt like they they won't score. Yeah. I'm sure you know I'm, I've got a feel you know there's just feeling and they won't score again. We could still be out there now. Marek would still be keeping them out. He had one of those days. Everything yeah. hit him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was, it, it, even we so we worked on another one of them moments where you think this is our day. Is I think we might have trained at Chelsea. Um, and Gary had this corner so what we were going to do because he had said that the back post is a massive weakness for them so when I had my first corner he said what you're going to do is you're going to hit it as far to the back post as you can to clear the area and uh, obviously I man managed to do I think was it Dan Byrne header and yeah. just, just went just it was perfect Dan Byrne headed it at the back post sort of unmarked went for a crowd of bodies and just went in, got cleared off the line, but was so blatantly behind the line that there was no danger of any, you know, any mess ups. And it was just another one of them moments again, like I said, where you just thought, this is just coming together perfectly. You know, the game plan's working, the early goal, the set pieces pulled off. And yeah, it was, apart from the second half, <laughs> we were back to the wall. It was, it was spot on. I was I was having a little look and I I didn't realise and I certainly don't remember it until I looked at it. You got booked on seventy minutes. What did you get booked for? Because I can't find the footage for love nor money. And did did you did that change the way you thought about the last twenty minutes? <laughs> don't put a foot in where it wasn't. Either. Yeah, I ha I couldn't answer that question because I didn't even know I'd been booked until you just said it. Then <laughs> <laughs> we all remember Gavin Williams's booking for booting it out of the stadium, but yeah. clearly not yours. Yeah, well, my, one of my mates came to the uh, a few of my mates came to the game, and they said the best pass you made was in the 90th minute where you booted it into the stand as far as you can. <laughs> 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 I said you're probably not wrong. What a day! Yeah, a it day. was. I think because we sort of, as Yeovil fans, we'd been there in 2007, and I think going into that game, it was kind of it was a nice surprise because we you know, managed to scrape past Nottingham Forest in an immense game. But I don't think really we had any expectations massively. It was just a nice, nice that, oh my God, we're going to Wembley. So for mm. us to then go back so quickly afterwards and to feel confident about it, I remember it was just a totally different day. The feeling was different. The weather was different. It, it was pissing yeah. it down the first time we played there. And this time it was glorious and it was just... It just felt like a day that was going to go right. And like you said, it did from the first mm. minute, really. What, following the game and the, the celebrations, was that just like a weight off your shoulders? How, how was it to sort of 
get through that 90 minutes and then, you know, have oh, that moment at the end. Yeah, the biggest relief you've ever felt. Um, this whole season's worth of work come down to, you know, 90 minutes at the, at the end of it. And yeah, it was just pure elation, pure relief, just all those sorts of feelings of we've done it, you know, it's, it's, it's history. Um, it's your oval town going to the championship. It's, you know, it's, it's massive. It was massive. It was really, it was, you know, not, not a sort of team that are expected to ever be near that level, never mind playing against, you know, who we played against the next season. But yeah, it was just, just, a, just a feeling of pure elation. It's my overriding. Joe Edwards said after we spoke to him, because one thing we, we clocked on was everything happened at the wrong end of the stadium for us. Paddy's goal, Dan's goal and Harley Dean's goal were all at the other end in front of mm. Brentford fans. And obviously that last 20 minutes, we were just soaking up so much pressure. It was all at that end. And Joe was saying that it felt like it was just like a wall of noise from the other end hit when that final whistle goes. And there's a, a lovely picture. I think, I think it's you just puts your hands on your head and you're stood next to someone and you just grab them. What was that final whistle like that final whistle moment? Yeah. Uh, hang on. Two seconds. Sorry. What? Yeah. I'm on it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I've got my little one to come into the room. <laughs> she's, she's sorry. She keeps getting up. <laughs> she's getting up <laughs> She just walks in, the door just opened. I was thinking, oh no. Sorry. Go on, go on, carry on. Sorry, I missed it. No, you're quite all right. Don't don't apologize. We all we all fear of the, the little ones waking up mid-podcast. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I was asking about that moment at the final whistle because we spoke to Joe Edwards and I was explaining how everything was at the wrong end and we were it we were a wreck. It was no good being in that. I, I didn't enjoy a minute of that second half in that in that Wembley Stadium. But that final whistle moment was just a wall of noise. What do you remember about that exact moment when the ball just gets booted and the whistle goes? Yeah. Um, goosebumps, I think. It was just, it was just like you said, all at the other end for you. And uh, I just remember, you know, hands on head. And then I think boys just started dropping to the floor. And then it was a realisation of what we'd done. It was a couple of bundles. Um and then I think we all just headed straight to the far end to, to come and obviously celebrate with you. And it was just a, just a ridiculous feeling um, to have that many people there supporting little old Yeovil. Uh, it, was, it was just fantastic. The following season, the championship season, um, obviously we, we kick off against Millwall. You score the winner in the last minute. There's a theme here. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know if you were there that day, Ben. I assume I you was, were. We were, yeah. we were all there in the in the Millwall game. Um, what was it like scoring a goal in that moment? Because it was a really tight game. I think it was our first, you know, our first experience of Championship football. And I just remember thinking how close the teams yeah. were and how tight the games were. And I think it was the theme for the whole season. Really, it was just it a was. goal here or there, but. That that go it felt like it was another one like sort of written in the stars that we would nick a win in the first game. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was it was that sort of um, bit of history that it's nice, you know, where you would win your first game in the championship and you would score a last minute goal, and it's all those sorts of things that are the most exciting parts of football. Um, but like you said, it it was a it was a season of what ifs. Really, there was a few sort of last-minute goals that you think, you know, what, you know, what if, and and uh, there were there were times where we played really well, played some big teams, played really well, and would would concede a, a rubbish goal, and it would, you'd lose one nil, but there'd be no sort of shame in it because you know you, you'd played so well. But there there were really fine margins that season where it, it certainly could have gone a different way to the way it did go. The finest one I remember is Adam Lafondra diving at Hewish oh. Park to get a penalty for QPR. And it was 1-0. Mm. They won with the penalty. And it was yeah. oh, the most blatant bundle in the box that he got away with. Yeah. And it was, it was things like, oh, like that. Is, I think it, it was yeah. a season of thing, little things like that. and Cashrush Michael scoring or nearly scoring for, for Leicester in the last minute. We'd have beaten Leicester otherwise. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy season. Crazy season. 
It was it was really memorable though, and we had some incredible days. Um, Watford going to Watford and winning. We went to mm. Wigan, and it was one all after eighty eight minutes, and somehow ended up three three. I remember some really incredible, incredible away days. Played against Nottingham Forest and and gave them mm. a, a hiding at our place. Um, mm. But it was different. There were a few flashpoints. Paddy left halfway through, dropped down a couple of divisions. Ishmael Miller, Adam Morgan have, have spoken about their time at the club as not being massively successful. And, of course, you left halfway through mm. for mm. Millwall. Why was that the point in which you decided it was time to move on? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I was wanting to get a little bit closer to home at the time. I was a long way from home. It was like three and a half, four hours um, and that was, you know, South London. I'd be, be an hour and a quarter, hour and a half from home. Um, it was a team at the time fairly established. Um, obviously, big, big name, you know, famous name. And uh, it was a new challenge. I think me and uh, Gary had had a little falling out again um, towards, towards the end of January. Um, and I hadn't played, I think it was like three or four games in a row that I hadn't played in. Um, and it just sort of all culminated in a, in a deadline day move, basically. Um, and then, funnily enough, the next game was against Yeovil. But I, Gary had put it in the, the contract that I, wasn't, I wouldn't be allowed to play. Um, yeah, so I came down with obviously Millwall, but I, couldn't, I couldn't, wasn't allowed to, to be involved in the game. Um, and it was it was a bit disappointing end really because we'd had such good times together, and it, you know when, when when things like that happen, it is a, it is a bit disappointing um, to to end it like that, you know, rather than sort of seeing it out. But um, I, I was obviously over the moon as well at the time to, to sign for Millwall. I can't get away from that fact. I was was buzzing. Um, seemed like a big opportunity for me. You know, big big club, big stadium. Um, and I, I did love my time there as well, in all fairness. Um, but I'll always look back at my time at Oval with a special fun memories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, I was reading back today, actually, and, and I read there's a little bit of a set to in the press. I think Gary had said that you weren't a championship midfielder or something like that, and I think... I've read an article where you'd said, well, if he wants to say that about his top scorer, he can <laughs> and stuff like that. And I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten, yeah. I'd forgotten yeah. all, all, all this drama really that went on. But then you look back and that season, there was so, there were so many little things that happened. And then obviously our season, the following season was just a total shambles. And we go down again and Gary mm. leaves after, after January that year. And it, it was just, um, it seemed like there was a sort of a a downward trend starting almost the minute we got up, really. I think mm. a lot of fans will probably think, well, some will say it's the worst thing that happened to us reaching that division. Others will say they wouldn't trade it for the world reaching that division. And I know I wouldn't because I think it was amazing to be there. But it, looking back in our history, it's almost a bit of a poison chalice, I think. <laughs> yeah, you, you can. I, I, I get that people look at it that way but um you can never take away the memories that right. we made that season you know would, would you rather sit in, in league one forever or have a, have a season like that um and go to the championship and the Wembley and the playoffs and the, you know the teams that came down to, to us and the teams we we went away to in the championship that season like you could never you could never take that away from anyone no I keep coming back to the fact that we were a division above Wolves. <laughs> like we we loaned the Wolves goalkeeper because he was in the he, we we loaned Wayne Hennessy from the division below, and it was those little things that made me always think yeah. this is bonkers that we're here, yeah. and I absolutely love it. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm the same. I I I wouldn't change it for the world. No chance. No. no. And 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 you know the, the, the what happened to the club after that could happen at any point. There's nothing to say that that was anything to do with the championship. Mm. Um, such a high obviously that the club got to uh, it's such a shame that's the following seasons after that but who's to say that, that that might not have happened anyway at some point yeah yeah uh, a couple of weeks ago we had Chris Hargreaves on the Glovers cast and 
he uh, set tongues wagging, saying he'd spoken to you, he likes you, and uh, would have liked you to um, possibly look at coming back to Yeovil. And then uh, last week or so, it was announced you'd made a move to Stowmarket Town. Um, Got some explaining congr- to do, Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got some explaining <laughs> to do. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, well, congratulations on the move. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. we, we would have loved to have seen you. I, I, last year, I was crying out for you to join Yeovil because we needed goals from midfield and <laughs> we yeah. just need someone to bang it in from outside the box, really. Um, but... Did you speak to Chris? What was what you know? Yeah, so so obviously I know Chris from he was he was the academy manager at Rovers, and then he took the assistant manager's job when we had our best spell there. Um, and I saw he got the job. I was away on holiday, and I sit the day he got the job. I seen he, you know, Chris Argus, Yoel. Um, I texted him. I said, um, "Hi, Chris. Um, congrats on on you know I'm getting a job." And I said, "If you need a midfielder, let me know." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and he rang me back that day. This is the day he got the job. I was away. Um, and just just said, yeah, cheers for the message. And you know, what's your situation? I said, obviously, I'm a free agent and stuff. And and, uh, and he said, okay, well, look, I'll be in touch. And and then I, I never heard anything after that. So um, yeah, and I never I never turned down Yeovil. I never had a an offer to turn down. Um, but it would have been a difficult decision for me because some people, you know, obviously questioned, oh, he's gone to Stowmarket. market. That's a, you know, that's quite a, an interesting move. Um, but there's, there's many sort of facets to a decision like that as a footballer. And it was a, it was a time where I sort of felt like I've been away from home a long time. It was maybe time to settle the family down. Um, my little girl goes to school in September and I don't want a, her to be sort of traveling around the country and taking her in and out of schools. And, and I also wanted to be there, you know, for her. And, and um, I had a couple of offers in the national league. Um, I was speaking to a couple of league clubs, uh, but an off, any, no offers had come through on paper. Um, and it was the biggest decision I ever had to make. Um, so if if Yeovil had come in with an offer, it would have been a, a an awful decision to have to make because <laughs> they're one of the clubs that you know would have would have tempted me to to be away from home again. Um, so in a way, not having to make that decision is not a bad thing for me. Um, but yeah, I've made a decision to to be close to, or to be at home for the first time in my career and it's a it's a human decision rather than you know a football decision um but it's it's an interesting one and, and it's certainly something it's I've, I've been a couple of weeks now and it's yeah it's been a total change of sort of lifestyle um but yeah it's that, that, that's what it is am i right in thinking that stone market was your junior club it's like a proper full yeah. circle yeah, so Stowe Market, uh, I played for Stowe and that's how playing for them is what got me into the Ipswich Academy. That's what got me noticed. And going back to your point about me wearing 16 when I first come to the Oval, that was because in, for some mad reason, our Stowe Market town manager for the under-11s was a mad Yeovil fan. Yeah, and Andy Gould. Andy Gould, his name was, and he, he was from Yeovil. Um, but had somehow ended up in Stowmarket coaching lads, and he was he was a Yeovil Town fan, um, which at the time I, did, I didn't really pay any attention to it. But I always wore sixteen for Stowmarket, so when I signed for Yeovil, as like a, I just thought it would be a nice touch for me to wear the sixteen shirts. Obviously, Andy had been our manager at Stowmarket and that, that's all I was wearing 16 for that first season obviously, I, obviously I've changed that as soon as I could <laughs> to number 8 <laughs> when the 8 became available um, Luke Aylin yeah, get in number 2 get in number 2 son come yeah. on <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah that's a little uh, side, wow. side story yeah so that's why I was wearing 16 at, at Yeovil that's such a small it's such a small world isn't it? I'll tell you what I also I noticed you know in that um, FA that Youth Cup final I mentioned right at the start Mm. Harold Knights played in that game. He yeah. then, he played at Wembley for us as well in 2007. It's like everyone, yeah. everyone knows everyone. And yeah, played so against Leon Best, who joined us that same season. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's football's one of those worlds, really connected. Everyone knows everyone. And at some point, everyone's played against or played with someone. And yeah, it's just, uh, there's nice little stories like that along the way. Um, it, it, won't, it won't have missed anybody, but you're, you're not old by football standards at all in any way, shape or form. No. Um, presumably, Stowe Market is part-time. Mm-hmm. Are you doing something on the side? Are you starting coaching badges? Are you thinking about a post-football life for Ed Upson? What, what else are you doing alongside playing for Stowe Market? Yeah, well, part of, part of the attraction was obviously when you're in full-time football, you can't really think or have energy to do anything else. I certainly couldn't, um, as a player, I couldn't really concentrate on anything other than playing. Um, and this is another facet of the decision where it will give me a bit of time to find out what I enjoy doing. Because obviously I've gone straight from school to playing football every, every single day. And I've never had anything in, in between that. Um, so for the last sort of 15, 16 years, it's just been football, 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 football. And when I've spoke to other people and I've, you know, I've talked about life after football, they've said to me, what, well, what do you enjoy doing? And, and I, my answer has always been, I honestly have no idea why I enjoy outside of football. So this sort of gives me a chance to explore different routes, try different things, um, and just find out what I, what I like doing. Um, and maybe go down the route of doing some courses or um, at the moment, I'm just, in, I'm just enjoying a little bit of a rest um, sort of train. You know, we train, we train twice a week on an evening. Um, and it's, it's interesting because people think people look at footballers and think they should just stay at the highest level they can for as long as possible, but they don't see the, the other side of it where, the human side I was talking about earlier with the family, um, you know, the kids, the wives, the homes. Um, it's, it's quite a nomadic lifestyle being a footballer. Um, you, can, you can be here, there and everywhere. And for a year at a time, you know, you don't know if you're coming or going. And um, it's, it's quite um, different for me to sort of pick something where I know I'm going to be at home. It's going to give me a chance to try something different and new while still playing. I've got that obviously to back me up and I still enjoy playing, but it also I've had a tough sort of couple of seasons and the enjoyment factor of football, what once was, you know, so high, it's sort of lessened a little bit. Um, so hopefully it will, it will, I'll go back to enjoying my football again, sort of take it back to basics a little bit, back to the, the roots of where it started and why I love the game. Um, and like I said, that's another part of the decision. So yeah, there's, there's many different things. Um, but going back to your, your question, what will I do? Um, I'll just try try my hand at, at some stuff and see what see where it takes me. It's quite exciting in a way. I, I was so anxious about it um, about making this decision in the first place because, like you said, I'm young and you know I, I had offers where I could have stayed in the game and. I still, I still feel like I've, you know, got two or three years of good football years, you know, left in me. Um, so I was thinking, you know, have I made this decision maybe two years too early? But that anxiety that I had about the decision has sort of turned into an excitement where I've tried, you know, tried to look at it a different way and put a different spin on it. And it's, for me, it's exciting now to see where it takes me. And it's so nice to be back at, back at a club where I sort of know I uh, started when I was younger and it's just a nice sort of touch. Sounds great. I mean, not many players get to go sort of full circle and, you know, make this kind of decision. So I think it's, mm. you know, it's it's probably quite refreshing to be in that position where you know you can try whatever you want now. Just <laughs> you yeah. can start a podcast about Yeovil Town if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm free. I'm free. Any time now. <laughs> We'll have to tell Dave he's booted off. We've got a replacement. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we've we've kept you more than long enough. A, a couple more Yeovil Town questions, if I may. First mm. of all, the medal, the shirts, the memorabilia. What are we talking? Framed, front room, 
in in a vault somewhere locked away safe and sound where are all the goodies <laughs> the uh, the medals locked away but i need to get that framed i've got my first it's weird because when I, when i started my career I, I used to get the shirts framed and it just sort of a, a thing that i just sort of moved on from and thought I'll, I'll come back to that when i you know when i'm finished so um the other day actually because obviously we moved into our into our home which is our like forever home I had all my shirts at mum and dad's house because I, I never sort of took them with me. Every time I re- rented somewhere, I went somewhere different. I didn't take everything. So I left all my main stuff at mum and dad's. So as we come back here, I collected everything. So I collected all the shirts and I was, there was, there was, I had, I've got every shirt from every season apart from there was, there was two Yeovil town shirts missing from the season we went up. Um, and it was, and I was convinced it was because at the end of the game, after the playoff semi-final, Gavin Williams was throwing all the kit he could get his hands on out the little window because there were the fans outside the changing window. <laughs> and for years, I thought my shirts, Gavin had thrown my shirts out the window because if you remember in the final, we wore next season's shirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, so though that season's shirts had gone missing, but I'd obviously got the final one, but I hadn't got any of the previous ones. And then I was going through mum and dad's stuff the other day and there was this box in my old bedroom and I opened it and it had a big bottle of champagne from Wembley. Um, it had a Wembley program in and it had at the very bottom was the Wembley tracksuit and underneath that was the two shirts from the season. Yeah, I was buzzing, yeah, I was absolutely <laughs> buzzing. So I've got the full set of my career, home, away, third shirt of everywhere I've been. Um, and I'm going to do something with them. I saw um, a Cantonar. I saw a Cantonar had got a shirt made where... It was like the top half was, well, obviously he was, he was only really at United. So it was like a different United shirts. Obviously he, had, he was at Leeds, but he didn't include that. So he had the, every, every United season, he had the different color, like made into a shirt with his name and number on the back. I was maybe thinking about doing something like that, but that would involve me cutting up shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I'm not doing that. Um, so yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably just get the main ones framed, I think, and, and I'll have them in the house at some point. But yeah, it's a work in progress. <laughs> what you're saying is your mum and dad have got like a room back in their house now as well. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah, they were buzzing when I when I moved back. <laughs> Jeez, and I guess finally. Every year we celebrate Ed Upson Day. We said it right at the start. And it's a little teeny bit tongue-in-cheek because it's also Kev Dawson Day and Marek Steck Day and Paddy Day and, and all the rest of it. But it is Ed Upson Day because of that last-minute header. The floor is kind of yours to wrap this up. What would you like to say to Yeovil Town fans for celebrating Ed Upson Day every year and for giving that team everything we had because you gave everything to us? I would say I would say thank you to the fans for my whole time at the club. You know, not just that specific day because they were fantastic with me from from day one to, to the end. Um, they never got on my back. They always supported me, um, which is what the Oval Town fans do. I've noticed it's a special fan base. Um, having said that, in particular, the Ed Upson Day is my favourite day. Please never ever stop doing it. Never stop <laughs> tweeting about that. <laughs> Every year, I look forward to that. Um, and it's, it's a special for me and, and you won't believe how much it means to me so thank you it means every bit the same to us as well I can promise you I can promise you yeah magical magical times Ed I mean Ian you're more than welcome to wrap things up here mate but genuinely thank you so much for everything you've done for the club I'm absolutely heartbroken Chris Hargreaves didn't offer you anything this summer but that's for another day um, genuinely thank you so much and thank you for your time this evening no problem. Thank you very much. And, and it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ed. Cheers. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.